church. It's good to be here and a good opportunity this morning to come and bring the word. Um, I hope you've had a good week. And uh, part of what I was thinking about today is reflecting on what John uh, spoke on last week. And, and really what John was sharing with us was that call of God to go and to be witnesses uh, in this world and to kind of let our light shine, that people might see us, that our lives might be a testimony. And, and I was thinking about this kind of aspect of um, God's call, and there's, there's many aspects to our Christian life. And I actually I came up with a nice analogy for us this morning. And if you know what this is, let's see if we can see the camera here. It's a yo yo. Um, I don't know if you're any good at doing yo yo. I'll try and not break something this morning. Um, but I was thinking the Christian life is a bit like a yo yo. life is a bit like the yo-yo, because if, if you think about, oh, am I even turned on? No. <laughs> start again? Yeah. Okay, I just realised the mic was not turned on, so I'm going to start again. Welcome! Um, so it's good to be here, and uh, so I was thinking about what John spoke about last week, um, and John spoke about... Um, our lives as a witness before the world, that we go into the world and that we are a witness to others, that we go and and shine our light, that we are a testimony that people might see our lives and that's a reflection of God. And I was thinking about the many aspects of the call to walk in the spirit and this is where the yo-yo came in. You might have seen this before. Um, so a yo-yo is an instrument where you can uh, come and... You can play with it, so it goes up and down. The idea of the yo-yo, it goes up and down. Um, now, if I had a yo-yo that just stayed in my hand, um, all I'm doing in this one is holding a piece of wood, and it's, it doesn't really mean much. It's just a thing that I'm holding. And if we think about um, the call of God, it's about coming and going. When you look at the life of Jesus, one thing you see is that Jesus would draw his disciples to himself. He'd say, come and follow me. Come and be with me. And this is, in a sense, what the yo-yo is like in this state. It's with me. And then, But then he says, there's a call to go. There's a call to out at one point he sends out the 12 and at one point he sends out the 72 and at one point at the end he says go into all the world and that's the point where we go but with a yo-yo as you see the point is you go but you also come back because if you just go then you kind of slowly die out and a yo-yo it, that's at the end is just, a, in this case, is a piece of wood on the end of a string and it doesn't do much. So the whole point of it is that it goes back and forth. So equally, as I was saying, that a yo-yo just in the hand is pretty pointless as well. If I just said to you, look at my yo-yo, it's really good, and I just held it all the time, and I said it does really cool things, you wouldn't really believe me unless I actually did something with it. Now, this is a very cheap yo-yo and doesn't do very good things. Um, but I had an old one that did very nice tricks, but this one doesn't. Um, but the, So the Christian life is a bit like a yo-yo, that you're called to come to God, and this is the call of God, come to me, come follow me, and then there's a call to go. And so last week, John talked about that kind of, that going, that being sent by God, that we're a sent people. 
But there is a call this morning, and I really feel this, that God wants to minister something in our hearts, that there's a call to the person of Christ. Because when Jesus calls people, he doesn't just say, come and learn about me. He doesn't say, just come and sit under my tutelage and study the scriptures and and learn. He's saying, come be with me. So as he said to the disciples, come and follow me. So they would actually walk with him, live with him, be with him. And that was the call that he was putting out. When we're thinking about Christ, though, they're saying, I just, I really want to reiterate that it's about love. Because, again, John spoke on this last week that, you know, we talk about the things that we love. Because if love isn't central to your relationship with Christ, then it's going to run dry. Because there's things that we do for love that we would not do for the reason. You know, just this morning, um, I was just trying to get ready and, and Samuel said to me, can you come and play with me? Um, and I was like, I've got so many things to do. But because of love, I sacrifice some things to then go and be with him and play with him. And, and so you think about that and, and love must be the underlying thing in our relationship with Jesus Christ. If there isn't love, then we're going to run dry. We're going to lack our motivation uh, in doing so. I want us to turn in the scriptures to Matthew chapter 16. Because again, Jesus was talking to his disciples about this need to come follow him. And we're going to look at verse 24. Uh, yeah, 24 to 26. Because it says in these verses, it says, And Jesus told the disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And so first of all, we realise that with the call of God to come follow me, what it also requires is an element of denial. It element, uh, an element, when he says take up the cross, it's an element of death. To follow Jesus means that we have to give up certain things to follow him. Because many people will say, oh, it's, it's easy to follow Jesus. But it's not. It's actually going to cost you a lot to come and follow Jesus. Particularly, I think, if you have a lot, it's even harder. Because Jesus did talk about those who had, for example, great wealth and how hard it was for them to enter into the kingdom of God. In a sense, the more we have, the harder it is to leave those things behind and follow him. He went on to say, for whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. And there's a real mystery in this verse. Because there's something inherent within us that we want to save our life. There's something that's self-preserving about us, that we want to make a life, we want to keep our life, we want to defend our life, we want to nurture it, we want to look after ourselves. All of these things, we want to save our life. But Jesus is saying that if you do all this, if you're reliant on yourself to save your life, the actual end result is that you'll lose your life. The only way to actually save your life is to lose it for his sake. And there's, this is a mystery really. Because 
how does it make sense that you give up everything in order to gain everything? And this is the mystery of God. Because, and it goes right back to the fall, goes back to those early days when Adam and Eve said, actually, I think I can do this myself. Actually, I think I can be God. I can be the one in control. I can be the one who, who does all this. And, and through doing that, they usurped God and put themselves on the throne. And they were then in control. But the trouble is, when we are in control, we cannot give ourselves fullness of life, let alone eternal life to come. And so he was saying, if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And there's a real history of faith in this, that actually, as we give ourselves more and more to God, that we find him in greater measure. We find him in greater depth, in greater reality. If we just dip our toe in, so to speak, if we just, just give a, a part of ourself, we'll only find a very small part of him. John the Baptist famously said, in order for him to increase, I must decrease. And that should be our heart. And that is the key to entering into the fullness of God, that we decrease, that the things in our life, the things that are our desires, our wants, they get put aside and we come and give our lives to him. Because Jesus again says in verse 26, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? And so again, just to reiterate that point, that there are many people who are just trying to save themselves. They're trying to gain everything. And if you look back in the scriptures, you've got the book of Ecclesiastes, and this was King Solomon who was writing this. And King Solomon was the wisest of all men. He had amazing riches that people would come and they'd be astounded at what he had. But in his writings, he said, I have all this, but it's like grasping after the wind. I don't know if you've ever tried to hold the wind. I don't know, it just can't, you just can't do it. You can maybe say you can hold some air, but you're not holding the wind, you're grasping the wind. You can't direct the wind. I've got a fan just in front of me. If I tried to, like, just direct the wind in a different way, I can't do it. I don't have that power. And, it, and Solomon was saying, that's what it's like when we try and gain life, when we try and grasp this world and own everything. It's going to be like these things just running through our hands. I think when we look to God and when God calls us, what he's looking for from us today is a big yes. I don't know if you've given a big yes to Jesus. Because, again, when you saw Jesus call some people, they went, well, but um, can I just go and do this? When I, I just want to do this other thing first. Um, but what he's looking for from us is this overarching yes just, just yes, because the reality is when you come to Jesus, you don't know it all. You don't know how it's all going to pan out. Uh, you know, and maybe for some people, they might think, well, if I'd known it was going to work out this way, I might have had second thoughts. But the reality is, when you come to Jesus, you've got to be all in. I'll be honest with you, it's the only way that it works. You've got to be all in. There's got to be a big yes that you give to Jesus. And when he comes, it says in Corinthians that he takes us from glory to glory. 
Because in a sense, I believe that when I gave my life to God, I was like, yes, I'm going to give everything. And then a couple of years down the line, I was like, everything. I've got to give everything. I've been a Christian over 30, no, 30 years now. And I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, man, I've got to give everything. And I'm not giving everything. I've got to give everything. Because again and again, Jesus is showing me there's this, there's this. But also what he's showing me is there's more. There's more of me that I have for you. There's more that I want for you. And you can have that the more you give yourself to him. So are you willing to die that you might live? Are you willing to die that you might live? Are you willing to put to death those things daily? And I believe it is a daily thing. As I say, this is from glory to glory. You can say, well, I did it once. I gave my life to Jesus once. But every day, we need to die to ourselves. Because every day, you know, the reality is we have these passions that rise up, these desires that rise up. And you thought, oh, I thought I'd done with that. But every morning, you know, it's like, well, I want to hit the snooze button again. Every morning, these passions just rise up within us. I was thinking... I don't know if this is even scriptural, but I I liked it. And I thought, in a sense, where we start our day, we start at the cross. We start at that place of death, where we say, it's not my will, but your will that's going to be done. And we start at the cross, but we live our day in the resurrection of Christ, in the life of him. But we have to die. But the reality is there are many things that will come in and try and choke our relationship with God. If you think about the parable of the sower, where the seed was sown into the ground and some grew, but it was choked by the cares of the world, by the thorns and the thistles, it says. And there are many things that can come into our life and choke that growth in our relationship with God. So even though God is saying, come to me, I've got all this for you, there are things that we do that hinder that relationship. I want us to turn to the book of Haggai, So this is back in the Old Testament. Um, Haggai was one of the prophets. And I was just reading this the other day and it really stood out to me. Uh, And the, the setting of the book of Haggai is when the people of God have been exiled into Babylon. And it says in the year of, uh, second year of Darius, the king, he was the king of Babylon. Uh, And so when they, when they had been exiled, the Babylonians had basically destroyed the temple in Jerusalem because they're like, I've had enough of this. And they destroyed it, but they'd left a few people. And slowly it seemed people were coming back to Jerusalem and there were some that were living there. But then Haggai speaks to the people in verse 4. He says, Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in panelled houses while the house, this house, which is talking about the temple, lies in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Church, this morning, I want you to consider your ways. He goes and says, you have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag 
with holes. So you've got all these pictures of, of striving, of struggling, of seeking to attain and achieve, but it all seems a bit pointless. It's like, I drink, but I'm, my thirst is never quenched. I eat, but I'm never full. And so there's this idea that you're, you're sowing much, but there's no fruitfulness, there's no life. And Haggai is saying, this is because what you've done is you've got your priorities skewed. Instead of focusing on the things of God, you've focused on your own needs. And so he's saying, consider your ways. Now Jesus touched on this as well in Matthew 6, 33, where he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all of these things shall be added unto you. It's the same principle that Jesus was speaking of, that Haggai spoke of. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Consider your ways. Are you seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Because if you do, he says, then all these other things will be taken care of. You will drink and your thirst will be quenched. You will eat and your belly will be full. You will be clothed. You will earn your wages. And I know this in my own life, that when I started working for the church, and it's quite a long time ago now when I was doing that, probably eight or nine years ago, and in that first year, um, at the end of the year, I had to do my tax return. And in hindsight, I looked back and I thought, how on earth did I survive? Because I didn't earn much. But I tell you what I did do. I sought first the kingdom of God and he was my priority. Now, that doesn't mean working for the church is the priority. It doesn't mean coming to church is the priority. It doesn't mean, if we think about this building, that is not the priority. The priority is the things of God. And now often people will say, you know, we have our list of priorities, you know, God must be first. And then we'll say, and this is second, this is third, this is fourth. But the reality is, your priority is God. And that is it. Your priority is God. There's no other priorities. Because from, from that flows everything else you need. Your family, your church, your work, your, your health, whatever it might be. If you put God first, he says, I will take care of these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. If we turn to the book of 2 Timothy, there's a real warning to us. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3. He says but in verse 1, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And so I don't know where we are in the last days. We are in the last days. When the last day will come, I do not know. But it says, for people will become lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not, lo- not loving God, treacherous, reckless, swollers, sorry, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure 
rather than lovers of God. Does that describe the days that we are in? Does that describe you? It says in verse 5, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Having the appearance of godliness. So, you know, the danger is we can come and we can say all the right things. We can do all the right things. I was listening to a testimony of someone last night and it was, it was really encouraging and challenging. And they were, it was talking about their, their journey from being a secular, um, lesbian to a pastor's wife. Um, and it was an incredible testimony. And, and part of that is, you know, she was saying that she was in this LGBT community and, you know, their agenda was feed the poor, help the homeless, do all these wonderful and loving things for people. And the trouble is you can do all these wonderful and loving things, but at the heart of it, there's a rejection of God. And she identified that at the root of that was her sin of pride, that she was in charge. And so even if we do all the right things, and my real fear for the church is this line that we can have the appearance of godliness. You know, we come to church, we put our hands up, we go on YouTube and we give a like to the sermon. You know, we can go through all the motions of appearing godly, appearing nice, appearing good, but we can, at our heart, be denying God. I was watching, um, I don't know if you've seen the mini-series called The Chosen, and it's about the life of Jesus, and it's, I, I find it, it's an incredible series if you get to watch it. And one of the storylines is about Nicodemus. And if you know about Nicodemus, this was in um, John chapter 3. And Nicodemus came, he was a Pharisee, one of the, the teacher of Israel. So a really important guy. And he came to Jesus at night because he was intrigued. He wanted to know more about this man. And Jesus was saying these things like, he, he, saying that we must be born again. That was one of the key things he told Nicodemus. And he was sowing all this stuff into Nicodemus's heart. But in a sense, what it showed in The Chosen, and it doesn't say this in the Bible, but maybe it's the lack of what it does say about Nicodemus that it reveals the truth, that Nicodemus never chose to follow Jesus from what we can see. And so even though he was a teacher of Israel, he knew so much, he was a pious man and intrigued by Jesus. When it came to the point of following He wasn't willing to lay down his life. He wasn't willing to cast off his reputation and all of those things. He liked those things. And they were the appearance of goodness. But he wasn't willing to lay them aside to come and follow Jesus. And you might be a really nice person this morning. But you have to lay that aside to come and follow Jesus. My other fear is that what we are often doing is constructing our own brand of Christianity. The church is under a lot of pressure today to conform to the world, to adjust its beliefs and its ways so that it complies 
with what the world thinks. So saying that the scripture can't always be true, that there are certain things that the Bible says or what Christians believe that we shouldn't believe. Um, that there was one thing, again, I was reading and the Prime Minister said, we wouldn't do this in, in, in a reasonable society, implying that there are certain things that Christians might try or do that just aren't acceptable today. And it reminded me of a story in the book of Second Kings. And if you go back into Second Kings chapter 22... And if you read through the book of Kings, there are so many kings that come and go and, and where the people follow God, they don't follow God, it's up and down. And then there comes this king, Josiah, who loves God and he's like a king like no other. And so he's restoring the temple and as part of the restoration, they're having a big clear out. You know, they're going into the temple, you know, dusting things off and, you know, when you think, oh, look, Look what I found down the back of the sofa. But there comes a point in verse 8 where he says, And Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. Now, that just made me think, well, who lost the book of the Lord? Where had it been all these years? That You know, imagine there was just one Bible that we had. And it's like, you, wouldn't you think like we'd really know, everyone would know where it was, everyone would take care of it, make sure we had it. But the reality is that they'd lost it. It had got put under someone's coat somewhere or, you know, and dust had settled on it. It was at the bottom of the, of the drawer, wherever it might be, and they'd lost it. And it made me think, no wonder these people were going up and down, to and fro, going away from God and worshipping other idols because they'd come away from the word of God. And I don't know what role the word of God plays in your life today. But if we do not have the word of God as central in our life, we will inevitably develop our own brand of compromised, corrupted or watered down Christianity. And there are many people who will say, well, that doesn't... This is what God is like. And it's like, well, where have you got that from? You know, people will even say, well, I don't believe in God. And it's like, well, what God do you not believe in? Do you not believe in the God of the, of the Bible? Or is it something else you've constructed in your own mind? And so they found this book and, and Josiah repented and he had it read to the people and they all repented and they followed the word of God. We need to have the word of God is central in our lives. If you're not feeding on what God is saying, then you're going to go out of line. God is calling us to himself. God is he's saying, will you come to me this morning? As we think about the yo-yo, we think there's a coming and a going. There's a coming and a going. And when we come to God, we need to come to him. It's not about coming to church. It's not about even coming to a book because you can come to the Bible without coming to Jesus. 
He's the living word. We need to come on a daily basis and choose to follow him. To not be consumed with our own wants, our own passions, our own desires. We need to put things to death that we might follow him. Because when we do, and this is, I really wanted to hope that this would come through. I don't know if it has. But the point is, when we do, we encounter God. We encounter Jesus Christ. And this is the importance of what I'm saying this morning. It's like God is saying, I want you to be with me. And if you read about when people were with Jesus, they would be like, wow, wasn't he different? Didn't he have different authority? Didn't he speak differently? Wasn't he loving? Didn't our hearts stir? Weren't they warmed? And if you've had that experience of coming to a place where Jesus is, where God is present, and you think, my heart is being stirred. My heart, just I just feel his love. And this is what God is calling you to. Because it's out of that that you go. It's out of that relationship and knowing of God that you can go. Otherwise, don't go if you've not had that with God. But you won't get that with God if you come, but you're still carrying all your baggage. If you're still carrying all your own, uh, if your priorities are out of skew, you'll be hungry, you'll eat and you won't be satisfied. There are a few things I just want to leave you with to encourage you. Right now, I want you to give your big yes to God. And maybe you've never done it before. I don't know who's watching today or whenever this might be replayed on YouTube at some point. But give your big yes to God right now. And say, God, because if you try and work it all out, you won't. And this was a problem even with Nicodemus. He wanted stuff, but he wanted to understand it in his flesh. But he needed a spiritual revelation. And we get that when we say yes and say, Jesus, will you open up my eyes? Will you open up my heart? I want to know you. I want to follow you. I'm going to give you my all. I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to give you my all and follow you. Give him your big yes today. Give him your yes every day. We need to choose daily to follow him to deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow him. I want to ask you today, what needs to die in your life? Something needs to die that life might come. And my own testimony is that God is stripping something away. Every, it feels like all the time God is stripping something away that I might have greater life. And so if you're saying to me this morning, nothing needs to die, I want to challenge you. I believe in your life something needs to die. Because when it does, you will enter into a greater reality of Jesus Christ. I encourage you to find your quiet place. Jesus said, "Go, come away, come into your closet, into your quiet place and just be with me. Again, we need to find that quiet place with God, where it's just us and him. That's how relationship develops. And this is the area I struggle with because my mind is active 24-7. It sometimes feels like I want to be doing, I want to be going. But if I don't come away and be with him, my going will be fruitless. I need to come and be with him. And it's hard 
because it can be awkward, maybe. You know, you sit there with somebody, you don't know what to say, what to do, but you've got to work on that. So develop your relationship with God. Challenge your thinking. Have you become selfish? Have you become self-absorbed? Are your priorities out of skew with the priorities of God? And ultimately, you need to believe and obey and follow him. And so I encourage you to do that this morning. Come to him. Believe his word. Read his word. Spend time with him. Love him because he loves you. Amen. You invite the band to come back up and we're going to have a song just as an opportunity to come and respond to what God has been saying. As I was saying, if nothing else, I want to encourage you just that God loves you. God loves you so much. And he's saying, come to me, come to me. Be with me. That needs to be our starting place. Be with me. Make me your goal. Let's just close our eyes. As the band plays, you can sing along. Or you can just meditate on what God is saying to you. Hear from him and respond to him.
Pray, Lord God, that you would come and guide us this week, Lord God. Lord, help us to keep you, Lord, at the centre of our focus. Keep our eyes upon you, Lord Jesus. Lord, and if we, we divert, Lord, to the left or to the right, may you bring us back, Lord Jesus. Lord, you have come to give us life, and life abundantly, and that life is found in you. Lord, may our yes be yes to you today. That we would seek you with all of our hearts and make you the only priority in our life. And that you would lead us into life everlasting. Amen. Amen.